It's one thing to say you'd never accept the mark of the beast, but it's another when that would mean giving up your life. Is your faith really that strong? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah continues his look at this pivotal point in the tribulation and challenges you to strengthen your faith here and now. To introduce the conclusion of his message, The Mark of the Beast, here's David. Well, good Monday to you. Thank you for joining us today as we begin this new week together. We're talking about 31 undeniable prophecies of the apocalypse. And today we finish up what we started on Friday as we talk about the mark of the beast. Probably the most exotic topic in the whole series. Everybody wants to know what is the mark of the beast and how does it fit into the plan of Satan and his... Uh, his minions during the final days. We'll talk more about that in just a few moments. Friends, I want to share something with you today. Um, I don't do this often, but not long ago, we began a ministry in Ukraine on television um, where they have taken um, the Ukrainian language and put it in my mouth, and I'm preaching in Ukrainian. And we just got... uh, some of the first responses back from our release uh, on Turning Point in this land where war is raging. And I wanted to read just one note with you so you can understand how God is using Turning Point in this war-torn country. Here's the note. What a blessing to be able to watch programs that bring encouragement, clarity, and hope during this time of war. My two daughters and I are currently in Poland watching Dr. Jeremiah in the hotel provided to us. My husband is back home in Ukraine fighting in this unnecessary war. I'm often filled with such anxiety and fear to the point that I start to shake and I can't control myself. This last month has been so difficult and I'm trying to be strong for my family, but it's so hard. Watching these programs ground me and remind me of the amazing grace and power and love of our God. So thank you for helping remind me of these truths. I stand on them. I declare them over my life, over my country, and over my family. Just one note from a a woman in Poland who has been impacted by the war and how the gospel of Jesus Christ has touched her life. I share that with you because so many of you who listen to this program help us do this, and we thank you for it, and I don't need to keep all the good news to myself. Thank you for letting me share that with you. Well, let's get started with the final chapter of The Mark of the Beast. This is Revelation 13, and uh, this is Turning Point. The false prophet in this chapter, Revelation 13, is the epitome of every false prophet who has ever gone before him. And Jesus said, we need to be warned against false prophets who come with the voice and with the personality and with the calmness of a lamb, but who inwardly are ravenous wolves. So we have the description of the false prophet. Now notice the deeds of the false prophet. Here is this third person of the unholy trinity, Revelation 13, 13. The Bible says he performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. You say, can Satan make people do that? Let me tell you something. We underestimate our enemy, do we not? Satan is not God's equal. He is not the opposite of God. Satan is a creation of God, as you know. Lucifer was created by God. So God and Satan aren't opposites. 
But let me tell you something, friends. Satan has incredible power. And he can do some wondrous things. And the Bible says that the false prophet, Satan's partner in all of this, stands before the men in the tribulation and he calls fire down from heaven. You say, why would he do that? It's the only miracle per se that we see him doing at this particular place. Let me tell you why. If you read the book of Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament, the book of Malachi says that before the coming of the Messiah, Elijah will come. And Elijah of the Old Testament is the only prophet who ever called down fire from heaven. The false prophet is going to say, folks, I am the Elijah Malachi was telling you about. Here I am. Here's the fire. And the Antichrist is the one you should worship. He does great miracles. He deceives those who dwell on the earth by the signs which he was granted to do. The description of the false prophet and the deeds of the false prophet. Now notice in verses 14 and 15, and we're getting closer to this mark, the deception of the false prophet. Verse 14 says, And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. And he was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many that would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. The false prophet now dupes the people of his day into building an image, really an idol, if you will, an image that they might use as a means of worshiping the Antichrist. Now, I believe what happens here is that he takes this image that has been created as a point of worship for the Antichrist, and he takes this image to the newly constructed temple, and he sets it up in the Holy of Holies. Three times in Daniel's prophecy, he refers to an event like this, and he calls it the abomination of desolation. Daniel 12, 11, here's what it says. And from the time that the daily sacrifice was taken away and the abomination of desolation is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Now, Daniel's prophecy about this moment in the temple was fulfilled the first time during the reign of Antiochus IV, who was a Syrian king who ruled Palestine from 175 to 165 B.C. Let me tell you about Antiochus. In his ascendancy to power, Antiochus had an inflated view of himself, and he took to himself the name Theos Epiphanes, which means manifest God. In other words, he called himself God. I am the manifest God. But his enemies took his name Epiphanes and changed it to Epimenes, which means madman or insane one. So Antiochus the manifest God became Antiochus the madman. And he was mad. During his reign as the ruler of Palestine, which included his rule over Israel, which was then subjugated territory, during his reign he decreed that the temple sacrifices and offerings should stop that's what it says in Daniel. And to add insult to injury, he profaned the most holy place by taking a statue of Zeus, the Greek god, and placing it in the temple, in the holy place, and sacrificing a pig to Zeus on the altar in the Jewish temple. Can you think of anything more disgusting and depraving 
to Jewish followers of God than what that man did. It was this terrible action that was referred to as the abomination of desolation. Now that's the first fulfillment of this prophecy, but it has a final fulfillment. And the final future desecration of the holy place will happen when the Antichrist and his false prophet take this idol that they have created and they put it in the Jewish temple which has just been rebuilt. And the Bible says this will mark the beginning of the last half of the tribulation period. Here is Jesus' own words from Matthew 24. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads him, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, for then there will be great tribulation such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time nor shall there ever be. Here's what's going to happen. The Antichrist makes a covenant with Israel that he's going to protect them from their enemies, perhaps all of the Arab enemies and and Iran and all of the others. He will get into this covenant with them. Israel will settle down in a sense of peace. And at the middle half of the tribulation, at the end of the first three and a half years, he will go into their temple and break that covenant. And he will break it by setting up his image and defying the God of the Jews. And defiling the temple so that because of the Jewish law, they can never use it again. And the Bible says that begins the great tribulation, which ultimately ends in the battle of Armageddon. In his second letter to the Thessalonians, Paul describes this very moment. He says the day will come when the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes, this is the Antichrist, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped. Now watch this. So that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. The Antichrist and Satan have now, in their own mind, in their own dreams, in their own illusions, become what they have always dreamed of becoming. The Godhead receiving worship. And when this image is set up, The second beast has such demonic power, according to the scripture. Now get this. This is kind of spooky. But get it. The second beast is able to make the image talk. So when you go to the temple as a follower of the Antichrist and you walk into what was once the holy place, here is this statue and it is talking. Now since we know Satan cannot create life, uh, there are a number of ways he could do this. Some people think he does it through ventriloquism. Others think it's some sort of an electronic uh, reproduction of voice. But let me tell you something. Satan doesn't need either of those because the Bible says that Satan works according to all power and signs and lying wonders, 2 Thessalonians 2.9. Satan has the power to do that. And the deception of that day will be unreal. Unreal. And that's how he brings everybody focused and makes his demand. Here's the demand of the false prophet. And this is what we were headed for at the beginning of this message, verses 16 and 17. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark of the name of the beast or the number of his name. Once again, Satan and his puppets are attempting to counterfeit 
Did you know he counterfeits everything? The mark of the beast is simply a replica of what God has already done. Revelation 7, 3, do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. The 144,000 witnesses who populate the tribulation period, the Bible says Almighty God is going to place a seal in their forehead. God has his seal. (laughs) Satan's got to have his. The mark of God in the forehead of the 144,000 Jewish witnesses seal those witnesses unto God. Now the Antichrist is going to try to seal his people unto him. He's going to say, bow down and worship me. And if you do, I will give you this seal in your head or in your hand. And if you don't have the seal, you will not be able to buy or sell or do any commerce. You may be killed, and we learned that some of them were martyred for this, for having been unwilling to take the mark. The mark that is required by the false prophet indicates that the one wearing it is a worshiper of the beast and submits to his rule. Please note, the mark of the beast is not just a commercial thing. It's a religious thing, too. The mark of the beast says, I am a worshiper of Satan. And because I have this mark in my body, now during the tribulation period, I am allowed in the population control system of the Antichrist to do commerce. If you do not have the mark, you will be cut off. Using existing technology, ladies and gentlemen, the mark or number 666 could be implanted under the skin of every person using an RFID. A powerful electronic scanner could detect the chip from a distance and reveal all of your personal information, far more than your name, address, age, or marital status, while the implanted microchip and its information would be readable by a radio frequency scanner. A person would not know when or where his information was being accessed or who was accessing the information. That's how it would work. So just as you go through the scanner at the grocery store and they get that information off the barcode, your little chip in your hand or in your forehead, when they saw you coming, they would know whether or not you were a part of the worshiping army of the Antichrist. Here's what happens. The doom of the false prophet. If you have your Bibles, turn over to the 19th chapter of Revelation, verses 19 and 20. Here's what we read. And I saw the beast... The kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. Now watch this. Here's what's going to happen. And the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. And the two were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. Ladies and gentlemen, the beast, the false prophet, and Satan end up in hell forever and ever and ever. Now, it may seem to those who took the mark of the beast and are doing commerce and they're watching the Christians who won't do this, they're watching them die. They may be thinking, boy, we sure made a right decision here. But notice things start to get bad for those who took the mark of the beast. Revelation 16, 1 and 2, And I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go and pour out the bowls of wrath of God on the earth. So the first went and poured out his bowl on the earth, and a foul and loathsome sore came upon the men who had the mark of the beast and those who worshipped the image. They're about ready to feel the wrath of God for the rejection of Jesus Christ. And finally, in verse 9 through 11, and you can just look across the page from chapter 13, chapter 14, verses 9 through 11, and a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, 
If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb, and the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. Here's what you need to understand. It seems to those who take the mark that they're doing the prudent thing to protect themselves and their family, but they are not. It seems to those who do not take the mark and stand for the Lord that everything turns out bad, but we shall see it does not. How many of you know that what seems to be often is not? (laughs) And notice, before we finish this up, what is the mark that is placed upon these men? The Bible says, here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. Everybody wants to know, what does 666 mean? What we do know is we don't want it in our address, we don't want it in our phone number, and we don't want it on our license plate. Amen? We don't need to know anything else, but please don't put that number in my numbers. The number of 666 is the basis for a great deal of discussion. The idea of a mark can be traced all the way back to Genesis chapter 4, where the Lord said, Therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him should kill him. It's not unusual to read about a mark. Hitler and his followers had the swastika. You have all of these different marks. But the mark of Revelation chapter 13 is associated with the number 666. Here are some amazing things. I mean, if you get to studying numerology, you get off on a wild trail. I'll just tell you, I had some fun reading what everybody says about this. For instance, look down in your Bible. What verse is the term 666 in? What is the number of the verse, class? What is it? 18. 6 plus 6 plus 6 equals 18. See how wonderful that works? I mean, I'm sure that had nothing to do with the number. The integral number in 666 is 36. Six times six is 36. This is in Henry Morris's book. He said, if you take all the numbers of 36 and add them together, which is one plus two plus three plus four plus five plus six, all the way through 25 plus 26, all the way through to the end, and you take one and you add all the numbers through to 36 and you hit the button that gives you the total, It's 666. I did it on my little calculator. I said, whoa. I don't know what that means. It means that all the numbers in 36, if you add them all up, add up to 666. But people find all kinds of interesting ways to use this number. It's remarkable that John refers to the Antichrist as a beast 36 times in the book of Revelation. Who was the biggest man who ever walked on this earth? It was Goliath. And Goliath, the Bible says, was six cubits in height. His spear weighed six shekels, and he had six pieces of armor. Whoa. (laughs) Did you know that the number six we do know is the number of man? Man was created on the sixth day. He has to work six of seven days. So 666 is triple man. And perhaps more than anything else that we can say about that number is this that the beast in this number represents the ultimate of human ingenuity 
And here is the best man can be. Isn't that what the Antichrist is all about? Here is man's last fling at ruling the world, and the image requires the number of man to be stamped upon all those who worship the beast. The number seven is the number of completeness. The number six is the incomplete number. The number six represents the inability of man to measure up to number seven without God. Now, I told you about what happened to those who took the mark of the beast, how they prospered for a while, and then ultimately faced the judgment of God. What about those who refused to take the mark? Let me read to you from Revelation chapter 20 and verse 4. And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or on their hands. Now watch this. And they lived, and they reigned with Christ a thousand years. Those who have been martyred for their faith in Christ may have seen to have made a foolish decision, but in all reality... It is those who have taken the mark who have acted without wisdom. And what is it that we read in the Gospels? Here it is. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both the soul and the body in hell. If you are a Christian, you will never have to face the demand to take the mark of the beast because if you're a Christian, before that ever happens, you're going to go to heaven. Let's give God a big hand for the rapture. Amen. But let me tell you what I understand about all of this as we close our Bibles today. We will never probably, most of us, have to make such an awesome declaration of faith with the penalty of our lives hanging over our head. But every day, in ways that you and I probably aren't even aware of, we're given little opportunities to declare our allegiance to Jesus Christ. And the way you build the strength to be able to stand strong in a moment like this is by always doing the little things that you are asked to do and doing them faithfully as unto God. When you go into a restaurant, you bow your head to pray, and you don't care what anybody thinks. You're a God follower, a Christ follower, so you pray. You don't wipe your brow like you're getting rid of sweat. You pray. And when you have an opportunity to stand for what you believe, graciously but confidently and boldly and courageously, you stand up for what you know to be true. If you do the little things one after another, you will build the spiritual muscles so that if indeed we are called upon to stand before the enemy and declare our faith, we will have become strong enough to do it because we have been faithful to God in the things that he has asked us to do in the here and now. This is not about the future, folks. We're living in a day when it has become less and less popular to be a Christian. Christianity is no longer even politically correct for most people. But for those of us who know Jesus, let us take our cue from the three Hebrew boys. Let us say, we do not serve the gods of this universe. We serve the God of heaven. Whatever may come, we will stand strong for him and bear his testimony to the world in which we live. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Well, tomorrow here on Turning Point, we're going to talk about arming for Armageddon. Armageddon, a very familiar term uh, that has to do with a battlefield in Israel where 
the final battle on earth will take place. We'll talk about that tomorrow and Wednesday here on Turning Point. I hope you'll join us for the next chapter of this series. In the meantime, let me remind you that we're going to Alaska, the Lord willing, in July of 2022, July 16th through the 23rd. Uh, We're going to see God's majestic creation and explore towering mountains and mighty glaciers. Uh, We'll have with us uh, Uriel Vega and uh, Michael Sanchez, and uh, I'll be teaching from the Word of God, and we'll be together viewing this beautiful, creative scene that God has painted for us. We've had quite a response to this. I think a lot of folks are just, just want to go somewhere. And there's still room for you. If you would like to go with us, I hope you will go to davidjeremiah.org. There you'll get all the information that you need to make your reservation and plan to join us in July. Don't forget to join us tomorrow here on this station as we continue our discussion of 31 Undeniable Prophecies of the Apocalypse. The message you just heard originated from Shadow Mountain Community Church, where Dr. David Jeremiah serves as senior pastor. How is God blessing you with this ministry? Write us at Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's new book, After the Rapture, an end times guide to survival, which answers the question, what's next? It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your favorite smart devices or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries and instantly access our content. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series Signs right here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. If you're ready to go deeper in your Bible study, Living the 66 Books of the Bible by Dr. David Jeremiah will help. You'll learn how to identify each book's purpose, theme, challenge, verse, and prayer. And it's yours with a donation of any amount to Turning Point this month. And if you give $60 or more, you'll also receive the first volume of this series and a Genesis through Revelation DVD. To learn more, visit davidjeremiah.ca. If you enjoy listening to Turning Point with David Jeremiah, you will be happy to hear that there is now a daily Turning Point television broadcast that you can watch each weekday. Tune in to Faith TV, Joy TV, or Miracle Channel Monday through Friday to watch the Turning Point daily television broadcast. Be sure to check your local listings for the channel and time in your area. Or visit davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV to download a program schedule or watch at your convenience. That website again is davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV. Are you looking for a simple way to talk with unbelievers about the end times? This month, for a donation of any amount, you can receive Dr. David Jeremiah's newest book, After the Rapture, An End Times Guide to Survival. And for $40 or more, you can receive two copies of this book to share with unsaved friends. Or for a generous donation of $85 or more, you'll also receive an additional booklet and DVD to help you refresh your knowledge of the end times. Go to davidjeremiah.ca to get your copy today. In its purest form, the ideology of Karl Marx and Friedrich Engels, co-authors of the Communist Manifesto, was this, abolish all private property. 
everything would be owned by everyone, or more accurately, by the state. Some people have suggested that the early Christian church was communistic because of how the people gave up their individual property, like Barnabas did, to meet the needs of the community of believers. But the church was not communistic for one reason. They shared their property voluntarily. The Bible supports the notion of private property because maturity comes as we learn to voluntarily be generous with what God has provided to us. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's generosity on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.